welcome in to Please Bear With Me for this sugar sweet first episode of the year of 2022 and the final episode of this season five to wrap up an incredible 12 win season from your Baylor football team. We have Scotty Swingler joining us to recap the season, to talk about next year, to talk about Dave Aranda, and just anything else that we want to get to. We are very long-winded on this one, so I apologize for that, but you know Scotty and I love our, our Baylor football, and, and once we get going, we it, it's hard to stop us. So for the last time this year, excuse me, last time this season, please bear with me. Welcome in, Baylor fans, to please bear with me. As always, it is your host, Travis Corley, and joined on this wrap-up episode with none other than Scotty Swingler. Yeah, Scotty, yeah, what's yeah, up, man? Yeah, How you doing? I am fantastic, and I will tell our friends listening that I selfishly texted you and said, I gotta come on. I gotta come on for the last one. There's too many things to say. Wait a minute. We had you on the, at the beginning for the uh, you know season outlook, so we, we definitely got to get you on for the for the season recap. Yeah, and yeah. especially after that big big time uh, Big Twelve championship, big time Sugar Bowl. So, which is wild, wild. Did you have a good New Year's? I did. I, I had a uh, I had a surprisingly good New Year's, and I say that because uh, my wife and I had COVID. So, uh, oh, and we are both fine. Uh, so that is not a reason for alarm. But we had we were gonna go to a really big New Year's gathering with some friends, and she ended up yep. ended up being she and I uh, at home. But honestly, we had a really really relaxing, fun evening, and uh, had a fun evening together. Just the two of us watching the Sugar Bowl the next night, as well. And so, uh, well, that's the way to do it. I'm all about the chill New Year's because we had just a, a couple friends over. We hung out, played a few games. They left at like what ten, ten thirty. Uh, we were in bed by before midnight. You know, my wife didn't make it to midnight, so this, I'm all about the chill New Year's. This Year. was the first New Year's I think in my life that I did not stay up till midnight. We went to bed. <laughs> we watched the ball drop in New York at eleven, yeah, and then we went to bed. Yep. So nice, nice. <laughs> well, good. Glad to hear it. Um, let's jump into this Sugar Bowl. Let's talk about this Sugar Bowl. Um, I've got some quick facts here that I want to just kind of lay out to the. To the fans out there, um, 10 sacks on the game, a, a single game program record, um, a Sugar Bowl record, a New Year's Six Bowl record, um, seven different players recorded a sack, which brought us to 43 on the year. Wow. And yeah, t- top 10 in the nation, ninth actually. So. Yeah, you know, sitting at what it would have been 33 before. I don't know where we were ranked before, but to jump up to 43 in top 10 and seven different players. Seven different players. And then um, let's see here. Another 
Another fact here, uh, JT Woods, two interceptions on the game that gave him six on the year. That ties a Baylor record yep. um, that also tied him first in the nation for interceptions. So, wasn't aware of that. Um, program record, 12 wins. A program record, five wins over ranked opponents. Three of those versus top 10 teams. First Sugar Bowl win since 1957. And then... Only two teams since 1936 increased their win totals by 10. That's your Baylor Bears and actually the Michigan Wolverines this year, which kind of caught me off guard. So, hey, well, we'll take it. A lot of program records there. A lot of New Year's Six Bowl records there, including uh, the Walcott 96-yard pick six, which we'll get into later. That is also the longest interception return for touchdown in Baylor history, longest in Sugar Bowl history, and longest in a New Year's Six Bowl as well. So, hey, a dominant defensive performance, and um, you can tell by the amount of, of, of records that we set uh, individually and as a team. Um, so let's jump into that game, Scotty. Let's start um, – you want to start offense or you want to start – talking about the defense or do you want to give us kind of just your overall view of the game man I can talk about that uh I want to reflect on a couple records that I don't know if you said it and if you did say it I'm sorry uh Abram Smith breaking Terrence Ganaway's single season rushing record uh missed that one Baylor. that's a big one that was huge um Terrence is a friend of mine a very good friend of mine um and so I texted him immediately and said dude you're a legend Abram had one extra game but I think yeah I think, he did. But I, I think if we count Abrams' yards per carry this season, um, it it is the most dominant season a Baylor running back's ever had, and and really impressed with his play in that game. And uh, Colt Barber t- tweeted a couple things a few hours before we recorded this that I want to reflect on. Not only are the sacks impressive from our perspective, but Colt Barber tweeted, Ole Miss gave up less than two sacks per game this season coming into the Sugar Bowl. And we sacked Matt Corral three times in the first quarter. That's right. And he was sacked 1.8 times per game and averaging .3 interceptions per game before we sacked him three times and picked him off once in a quarter. On the second play. In a quarter. And, and, uh, you know, and so I think my – but you can – we can dig into offense, defense, all that in a second. I think the national narrative and certainly the SEC narrative that Baylor won because of an injury to the opposing quarterback is absolutely false. Uh, I wish he could have played the whole game because, well, one for him, but two, because I would have liked to see it. Uh, but I think that defensive performance was well underway before he went out. And and I don't think the dominance would have changed uh, based on who was under center. I, th- I think Baylor's defense played the best game maybe of Baylor's football's history Saturday. And uh, yeah, it's, it was thrilling. It's definitely up there. It was thrilling. It's definitely up there. And I'm glad you started there because that's kind of actually on, on my game notes where, where I started was that corral injury. And I sent out a tweet that, you know, all the, all the people making the excuses of Baylor winning because of backup quarterback is I'm with you is, is false. Um, you, you said it, three sacks and an interception in, in that first quarter, in that first couple of drives. And so I think we were right there, ready, prepared for him, and hate that he went down, for yeah, sure. Yeah, man. I am, 
I was so happy that he was playing because, you know, that's the hot topic now is the, are you going to play in your bowl game? Are you going to opt out? Whatever it is. And I'm just really glad he decided to play. I think if I was in that position, I, I would do the same and I, and I would play just because it's hard to say, I, you know, you, it's really hard to say. I'm just, yeah, I, I'm just a guy that's like, Hey man, all, all these, these other teammates of mine have laid it on the line for me. So I feel like I, I would need to go out there and lay it on the line for them too. And that's just me personally. So, you know, I hate that he got hurt. Um, I definitely want to play teams at their best and beat teams at their best. But hey, I, I still think we beat them with Corral there. And, you know, the backup quarterback excuse, don't give me that because uh, your Baylor Bears won a conference championship with a backup quarterback. And Not only that, but that kid was good. You, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. You're talking about Altmaier? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, he made some plays. He definitely uh, made some plays that I was like, okay. He certainly, okay. and you know, we'll 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 talk all the nuance in a second. But he certainly threw the ball better than Gary Bohannon did. I I would have to. I agree mean, with that. I mean, just uh, I I thought he was a player. I mean, I don't know. He he definitely extended some plays, and he was not bad on uh, with with his feet. I mean, they yeah. still ran the uh, the the quarterback runs, a uh, design quarterback. To runs, me, it was which, his deep ball, man. I mean, the touchdown he threw. I mean, he he had a couple of throws that um, that was a nice throw. That, I agree that were that were top notch. I mean, and yeah, he's not Matt Corral. He's not, but uh, he played really well. I mean, yeah, he is I, he is I, I not the reason for, they lost. Like, no, I, I thought for the situation that he came into, I I thought he played pretty good actually. So. Um, yeah, and, and my last point kind of there is, you know, you, you, the SEC wants to talk about how great the SEC is. Well, you should be able to recruit a quarterback to back up and come in the game and be ready to play. I mean, look at Baylor's quarterback room. It's fantastic. And we had a backup ready to come in, ready to play there against Kansas State. So that's... That's kind of all I've got to say about the Corral injury. Wish he'd played, but don't think it would have changed the outcome of the game. Maybe they score 14. Maybe they score 17. I, I don't know, but I think Baylor still wins. Um, and let's, you know what? Let's let's just continue on there with with the defense there. Um, Lane Kiffin, after the game, mentioned that they got outcoached, and psh, they for sure did because there was two huge wrinkles that Aranda was genius with. I mean, we came out in a a dime look, a dime defense, which is we stuck with two two linebackers, two inside linebackers, and then essentially had six defensive backs on the field, that sixth one being Lorando Johnson, a.k.a. Snacks. Freshman. Freshman. Okay, so <laughs> for Dave Aranda Rob Robert, and Ron Roberts to have that confidence to put a freshman out who's only played in three games, that was his fourth game of the year, to put him out there in that situation to have that confidence in him is... Is awesome. I, I loved it, and I loved what he gave our team. I love that. I, I don't think they were. They might not have been prepared for that. I don't think. I'm not sure Ole Miss was prepared for that. They weren't prepared for any of that. Not only that, but then out of that look, we blitz like crazy, um, and we're able to get insane pressures. And and what Aranda's yep. and Roberts. Let's give credit to Roberts because yes, we we talk ad nauseum about Dave Aranda and he's the mastermind. But Ron Roberts is 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 just as important to this scheme. Um, They can get so much pressure with four and five. Um, Baylor doesn't have to bring six to get pressure. Uh, Your, your front four, you know, your, your D lineman, your Jack, and then any other guy blitzing 
um, just yep. get incredible pressure. So it was a lot of Bernard coming on blitzes. Um, it, it was a lot of Petrie, as usual, even though he never got a sack. He was in the backfield a lot uh, when he was in the game. And so uh, incredible, incredible game plan. And another thing Lane Kiffin said, going back to our, our first point, Lane Kiffin said, uh, I'm not sure if the quarterback, something effective, I'm not sure if the quarterback would have mattered because we weren't moving the ball well before Corral went down, right? So, it, yep. and yes, and the other quote from Kiffin that I loved, Dave Aranda outcoached us today, and he's done that to a lot of people. Um, <laughs> you know, and and, and you, you love or you hate Kiffin, he's always says what's on his mind, and he always tells the yep. truth. And uh, it reflected well on Baylor. And props to him for, you know, um, a lot of your the perception of the SEC that I have as a Big 12 fan is that most SEC coaches would get up there and make excuses. And I appreciate that Kiffin got up there and said, no, no, like, you got to give credit to to what was there from Baylor's defense. That did shock me that he said that, honestly. It, it really and, did. And, uh, you um, know, Terrell Bernard gets the MVP, and, and it could have been JT Woods. Uh, and, you know, there's just a total team effort on the defensive side absolutely. of the ball. Yeah, and Aranda has talked about how we need to be able to get pressure out of our base with four, with with five guys. To your point, and we saw that come to fruition against Ole Miss. We didn't have to send six guys to get pressure. I mean, we we were in the backfield quite a few times. I'm not sure of our tackles for loss number, but hey, the ten sacks I think speaks for itself there. And um, you know. This was as close to a Bryles-esque offense as you can play in 2021, I would say, other than probably Arkansas. But we we all know that... Ole Miss was more successful people... than Arkansas, though. I mean, this was it. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And a lot of people, the, the common misconception about that offense is that it's an air raid right. type offense. No, it is predicated on the run. Yep. Okay, that is one of the biggest reasons you spread the wide receivers out so wide is so that you can run the ball more effectively. And Baylor held them to, I think it's 2.6 yards per rush. And we were able to sit back in cover two and play cover two and stop the run. And, heck, we did it the full game. And what what a defensive performance. And the other wrinkle I wanted to kind of mention was that, um, and and I want to talk about this guy too, is, is Apu. I mean, from his growth from the first game yep. to the final game. He just got better every single game. And like and Kiffin I think mentioned that as well. They couldn't move Apu off the middle. I mean, he he is an immovable option. I I think and <clears throat> I think he got into shape. I because I came on, I don't remember if it was right after Texas State or if it was a couple weeks after that, but I came on with you early in the season and I remember saying mm-hmm. he is not what what he was advertised. Because uh-huh. The first three or four games, he really had no impact. I mean, it was really honestly shocking. And then he came on late in the season and has just been a monster and and every monster. and everything we kind of hoped he would be. So I I really think for sure. I wonder if it was just getting into game shape. I I wonder if he had to kind of get through a season to get to where he could go full speed, um, several snaps a week. And and uh, yeah. once he got there, dude, I mean, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're right. He's yeah. he's incredible. I mean. Uh, I, I am uh, thrilled he's coming back, presumably next season, and not making the, yeah. and not making the jump to the league just yet because I think he's gonna I, I think he's gonna be a player at the next level. I really do. I, I mean, I think he's coming back. Is he even able to go 
to the draft? Yes. Or does he have to play? He is. No, okay, I, I didn't know he was. I think eligible. I for think the technically draft. he's a junior, so I think I think he can go. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean, I haven't heard anything yet, and I know it's soon, but you know, hopefully he sticks around because as long as we've got him there, I feel very confident about that that defensive line, and really that whole defensive line has has improved the entire year, and I thought that that was the bright spot of this defense. It was probably the biggest question mark for me coming into the season. And then to end it with ten sacks, and yeah, and before I get too far off on a tangent, uh, there with Apu, the other wrinkle that kind that Aranda kind of threw in there is he wasn't he did line up over the center in the game, but he he also lined up in front of the guard um, quite a bit as well, and I think that threw that Ole Miss offensive line for a loop too. You know, he was in a two technique, which is lined up straight ahead of the guard or in a three technique, which is just right outside the shoulder of the guard. That was something I I noticed on the rewatch of the game. And so I think those, those two wrinkles with playing the dime with Lorando Johnson, AKA snacks. I love that nickname, dude. I freaking love that. And then Apu not really kind of moving him around, you know, still in the interior of the defensive line, but moving him around a little bit. I, I really think that that threw them for a loop and, the one stat that I, I statted out here when I rewatched was I just wanted to count the the number of snaps that Snacks took and the number that Doyle took. Um, snacks ended the game with 43 total snaps and Doyle 54. Hmm. So only 11 more snaps that Doyle played than 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 Lorando. So man, heck of a performance from from Snacks and if. If that doesn't get you excited about next year, man, I, I don't know what will. So we saw this with both uh, rules defense and Aranda's defense, where year one, you're like, this is so vanilla. Um, and then year two, and, and especially toward the end of year two and, and into year three, you see how much variation and spin you can put and and how much of those you're, what did you what was the word you just used uh, wrinkle how much yeah, how wrinkle. much wrinkle you can put in to what initially you thought this is so vanilla because it it takes it takes that time to install right yeah. and so now that Aranda's defense is fully installed and and you're starting to fill in the personnel the way you want um, you're going to start to see more and more and more week to week especially when you have a month to game plan. But I think next season, even week to week, you're going to see uh, the wrinkles and, and the week to week, the difference, uh, depending on your opponent. Uh, and that's going to be fun to watch next season, especially Very. especially with all the questions we have currently about personnel, and we'll get into that later. Uh, yes, seeing the way that we're able to adjust by our opponent, really encouraging. And to your point a second ago, not only is the D-line play so improved from the beginning of the season. I mean, just leaps and bounds. But the ability to stop the run, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the ten sack performance forever. But you hit it on the he- on the head early in the season. There was a concern that we couldn't stop the run. Um, teams were able to get some some ground yards on us, and that Texas State. Well, I even <laughs> I, I actually think the perfect case. To, yes, Texas State, but I think Exhibit A is Oklahoma State. Um, ran mm. wild on us mm. early in the season. And both in that Big 12 title game and then, of course, against Ole Miss, you see we're just able to completely stop the run and and basically look at teams and say, you're going to have to throw the ball. Like, you're going to have to throw the yep. ball. You're, you're not going to run on this defense. And so the improvement in the front 
and the improvement to stop the run. And I think they're obviously related very much so. Um, so impressive from beginning to end of the season. Very. Yeah. Very. And let's hey, let's let, before we switch from from defense here, let's let's talk about that passing defense because three interceptions, one on the second play of the game from the heartbreak kid. They're already mentioned, tied first in the nation with six interceptions on the year, a Baylor record. Um, JT Woods should have had a forced fumble and fumble recovery yep. too because yep. the Ole Miss player, I mean, he caught that, man. He, he, he was tucking the ball, he was turning, and he was lifting his leg to continue running. I, that was a fumble and a recovery to me all so... the way. To me, in real time, it was incomplete. In in real time, I was shocked they called it a fumble. But that's why I was all the more shocked that they overturned it. Because I just don't, you know, and, and these are the arguments you're going to have every game for the rest of time. What counts as indisputable or what counts as clear and obvious evidence? Um, that was a play to me that I was like, you just got to go with whatever you call on the field. It's too close. It's too, it's, it's too bang, bang. Go with what you called on the field. I hate that they even went to replay, and I understand why yeah. they did. But even on the replay, I'm like, there's no clear definition of a catch at this point. There, it's just not clear, right? The rule book is not clear. And so you, ha- I was shocked they didn't go with what they called on the field, which was the fumble, right? I was shocked yeah. that they thought there was enough there to overturn it. Because I thought, I thought in real time, ah, that's incomplete. And then we jumped on it, and they called it a fumble, and I was like, okay, you got to go with that. Like, you're, the replay is not going to prove or disprove anything. And apparently, they thought it did, which I don't. Uh, apparently, we were wrong. Which I don't understand, right? And we can't, yeah. we can't, because it's a bowl game. We can't go into the typical uh, Big Twelve ref tropes, which you know is, is a little disappointing. <laughs> hey, I'm not not sure what crew we had. Um, Big Ten. Okay, Big Ten. So yeah, JT Woods two interceptions. Um, Walcott. Walcott, man, that was a turn. Turn the tide for us, really, because Ole Miss is, you think at least going to get three points there, but you know he's based been on a, how they're feel, how, He's been kind of a closet playmaker all year, man. He's been he's been really under the radar, doing good things uh, at the DB spot out there on the outside, and um, I'm glad he got a chance to shine. I think he's going to be a really special player moving forward. I think he's a good corner. I, I mean, I think he's really solid. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I had you know pretty high hopes there for for Tejada coming in. I thought he'd have a, a solid year, and Walcott kind of overtook him and slowly just earned that starting yep. job. And you can see why. Yep. You can see why. I think outside of the of that interception, he's made a lot of plays for us on the ball, breaking up passes throughout the year. Um, and that the uh, biggest difference bright spot on that defense. But maybe may, he may be the most improved on that defense. I, I haven't really thought about that, but he could definitely Doyle. put his name in there for, I, I think Doyle really improved last year, um, near the end of the year and just continued this year. Um, you know, I haven't thought about that with, a lot. But, with Walcott, you know, it's his physicality because Tejada's, Tejada's purely a, a burner. Like he's, yeah. he, he came in even coming out of high school. It's like this kid can fly. He's a track runner, right? Uh, with Walcott, it's I think he kind of moved into the position he was in because of his ability to be physical, to body guys, to press guys, um, to attack the ball, and and even to make tackles on the perimeter. I mean, I think he has a physicality to him. 
Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I, I'll do nothing but talk well of Tejada. I wish him all the best. He was a great player. Um, but Walcott, Walcott was just another level physically, and I think that's what got him some opportunities. Yep. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and, hey, just, again, on that defense, 10 sacks, 2.6 yards per rush was just awesome to see that that continuous improvement throughout the year and then to, to cap it off against a top five offense like that, um, just fun to see. Really fun Absolutely. to see. And um, best defensive performance of the year, I think, because yep. uh, let's talk about the offense now. I mean, struggle bus. <laughs> we rode the struggle bus. Except for Abram. For, except for Abram. Except for Abram. I mean, Stud. Abram dominated. Yeah. A- Abram absolutely dominated. You mentioned he, uh, he broke the uh, – Baylor all-time single-season rushing uh, record, sixteen hundred and six yards on two hundred fifty-seven carries, a six-point-two average. Uh, that's third in the nation in total rushing yards, and we needed it. Man, did we need that bad because Gary Bohannon did not uh, play well. Was rusty. Thought he would shake off some of that rust throughout the game, and uh, looked like he just was a little bit rusty. Uh, Gary finished the game 7 of 17 for 40 yards. We had 40 yards passing, and we won that game by 14 points. Isn't that wild? Yes. It's just wild. Yes. But <laughs> but you know what? You know what I loved about – and I, I obviously didn't love that we struggled on offense. That's not what I'm implying. But what I loved about the way in which we won this game is it's how we've won games for the past four seasons. Um, Play defense, run the ball. I mean – it hasn't always worked. It's worked this season. It's worked this season. Um, but for the past four years, five years, that's what we've been. It's it's defense first and run the football. And if you can get a couple scores through the air, great. Uh, but we have not been a high-flying team this whole time. And so what I loved about the Sugar Bowl victory is it completely encapsulates what's made Baylor great for the last few years. I mean, really. Um, I, I, I like that... We did win despite our offense, but even where we succeeded on offense, it was doing the things that we've done well this whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because good old Monterey Baldwin, another, another freshman, another freshman coming in and making plays for Baylor, averaged 48 yards per carry on the game, namely because he had one carry, and it was that jet sweep that went for, for 48 yards in the touchdown. And we've, and we've run that play all season with no success. All season. And it just takes one, man. It just takes one. All season, yeah. And, uh, and I'm going to point this out, and I'll we're going to get into kind of what the roster looks like next year later, but he was the lowest-ranked recruit in that class. Oh wow! I just want to remind people of that. He was a nobody. Wow. Like he was, he was not highly recruited at all. Baylor was his biggest offer by a long shot. We offered him because he's from Colleen, a local kid who can fly. He had no big offers. He was he was the lowest guy. He was basically unranked in terms of recruiting, and yet he is the true freshman who got an opportunity. And who got to score a touchdown in the Sugar Bowl, right? Yep. So I I think that's a good reminder. Like, uh, trust this coaching staff, and I have infinite trust in the offensive side of the ball, coaching, and recruiting with with Sean Bell over there. Trust the staff that the guys we're bringing in 
regardless of whatever stars or rankings are going to pop. Like, it's going to work. Yeah. It's going to fit the scheme, and we know what we're doing with them. And I think Monterey Ball, but, man, I could not be more happy for that kid. What a, what an opportunity. Same. I'm right there with you, and, and, and to bad, it's the, it's the local Colleen kid. That was it. Just made it more cool for me, and yeah, just just very awesome that uh, you you think about all the kind of wide receiver recruits we've gotten in in the past couple of years, and and he's the one that touched the ball the most offensively as a freshman. Um, I'm trying to think of any other freshman that even got significant minutes on offense. I think he's the only one this season. Yeah, he's the only guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So. Man, just credit. Well, credit well, Blake Blake Shapin, but he's a he was the class before. He's a red shirt. Yeah. So okay. The yeah. only true okay. freshman, fair. only true freshman, fair point. was was Baldwin. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Yeah, I forgot that uh, Shapin was just a. Wow, Shapin's a freshman. That's pretty awesome. Um, I wanted to. Ooh, I wanted to correct something actually that I tweeted out. I think I I, I when Grimes was kind of and I, I'm doing air quotes here, chewing out the offense after uh, Gary's underthrow interception. Um, I thought he was saying, he said something about one big play, one big play, which we ended up getting a big play from Baldwin, but that, that wasn't what he said. And he wasn't chewing out the offense. He was actually encouraging them. I, I ran that back, that replay, um, to read his lips. And I, I don't know if this is word for word, but it's pretty dang close. He says... We are not going to allow ourselves to be taken away by the emotion of the moment. We're better than that. That I have chills right now. Think because when you think about football and they show the coach on the sideline, uh, you know, being what's I can't think of the word. Being active, being that you think they're yelling, you think they're getting onto them about something. No, Grimes is sitting there encouraging them, and as bad as they had had played, encouraging. So I wanted to, to kind of correct what I, what I had tweeted out, and I, that was just very cool to, uh, to rewatch and, and notice. So I've kind of heard secondhand uh, a lot of really good things about Grimes off the field as a person. Um, I have some connections kind of, again, kind of like, you know, two-degree separation um, where I've just heard a lot of things about who he is when he's not on the football field, and uh, that's who he is, man. I mean, I mean – he so there's a lot of conversation and if i'm leading us on a tangent we don't need to go down you can you can course correct us we can here. edit it out hey man you can, it's a podcast. no i'm not editing this out but you he, you can course correct <laughs> us in a second one thing that's really bothered me the past 3 days is how much we go win a sugar bowl and have a 12 win season and i think you and i agree this is the best season Baylor football's ever had Yes. By by just about any metric, I think you have to say that. Um, and I see people yelling and fighting and getting hot about rule and even about Bryles. And I don't understand. I don't understand why we can't um, appreciate and celebrate what we have and why we have to look backwards. Um, but what I'll say now that I've said that. With Grimes, with Aranda, with the hires Aranda continues to make year to year, and with even what Mac Rhodes and Linda Livingstone are saying um, when they've got some press, Baylor football is hiring football coaches 
who embody what I think Baylor wants to be as an institution. Mm-hmm. And Baylor is hiring football coaches who are geniuses. And I think the the best comparison I can make is Baylor football in 2021 and 2022 is finally hiring what Scott Drew did in 2002 and 2003. Um, Baylor football is taking a cue from a national championship men's basketball program and counting. And I don't want to over-spiritualize this because I'm the pastor with the, with the football podcast. Okay. But Baylor football is, is, is starting to consider, uh, faith and, uh, your lifestyle off the field as part of why we bring you in primarily for coaches, but also for players. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to work and it's, it is working and it is going to continue working. And Jeff Grimes and Dave Aranda are living embodiments of, of why it works. And I think Dave Aranda staying at Baylor and I hope continuing to stay at Baylor as he continues to get offers every offseason. Brace yourselves, Baylor fans, because he's he's going to have a big school trying to call him every offseason. He is. I mean, he did this year. Yeah, and it will continue. It, it won't stop because yep. Baylor will keep winning. Um, he is at Baylor because of that, because there is a character component and a identity component that's important. And I think Aranda looks at what Scott Drew did, and I know it's we're comparing apples and oranges. But I think Aranda looks at what Scott Drew did and even what he was able to do here in year two and what Matt Rule and Art Bryles were even able to do in their successes. And Aranda says, I can win a national championship here. I mean, I believe that. And and that that is the optimistic outlook. But I watched watched that Sugar Bowl. I watch the way that, that coaches do conduct themselves on the sidelines. And it's completely different than what I've seen from any football program anywhere else including here for pre aranda and i'm excited man i'm really 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 fired up about it hey man i'm 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 right there with you man i think uh you know i heard um david smoke interview interviews aranda quite a bit yeah and i think early on in the year i remember david smoke saying something about he asked Aranda if, like, personality and, uh, you know, off-the-field things will turn them off to recruits. And without hesitation, Aranda said, absolutely. Which tells me it's probably already happened. Yeah. So, hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think this uh, the coaching staff is just carries themselves so well, and it's so fun to see, and... <laughs> I'm so I am totally buying into this whole Aranda never smiles. He's getting Gatorade dumped on him, and he's like, "Not nah, he's not flinching. He's just I love that. I'm buying into it. I'm I'm here for it. I think the more often that we're successful and he doesn't show emotion, the the better it gets for me. The better <laughs> it gets. I I love it. I love it. And but you know what? But uh, here's but here's what's awesome, and and then I'll let you steer the ship here. He doesn't show emotion. You're right. And yet, the the brief moments when the, when the facade cracks and when he breaks, it's yeah. because it's for one reason. There's one reason he's showed emotion. It's because he loves his players. That's where you've seen the facade break is when he's talking about Terrell Bernard or when he's talking about Jalen Petrie or when he's talking about you know the things he kept saying the, the end of the season was I think of the guys that could have left, and they stayed. And you know yeah. you know he's talking about Ebner and and. Petrie and some of those studs who could have 
started at most schools in the country. For sure. Uh, he gets emotional. So if you're going to, you know, for the, for the really unemotional, naturally unemotional guy, to get the only thing you're going to get emotional about is your team and your players and how much you love them. Man, you you've won yep. you've won me over big time there. Yep, I'm I'm right there with you, and and we'll let this kind of uh, transition us into some Aranda extension talk and some expectations just moving forward with with Coach Aranda as as our head coach. Uh, you know, we've heard the rumors for now two or three weeks, maybe longer even longer. That. that yeah, yeah, that he he's gonna sign an extension. It's only a matter of time. Mac Rhodes says he's got a verbal agreement with him and the way that that he's talked about their relationship, I trust what Mac Rhodes is saying. I don't think he's going to blow blow anything up our butts. And so, I'm just very excited to see what it's going to look like. You know, we're not going to see the numbers because, you know, I don't think Baylor does that being a private institution. We won't see, we but not. we'll have I mean, somebody will give us a clue. We'll have a ballpark. We'll have a ballpark. Yeah, for sure. And so I'm just excited to see the years. I'm excited to see the amount of years because I think it's going to be, man, I just think it's going to be a long time. So and so when go ahead. when LSU and USC were still uh, open, so this is uh, over a month ago now, um, I heard from someone I trust. I heard 10 years, and I heard roughly $10 million. That's insane. That's in, that is an insane contract. At any school. Yes. Especially at Baylor. But I also think Baylor can have the money and is that committed to Dave after this season. Um, and so that may, not, it, it, that, that may not be exactly what it looks like, but I think it's going to be long-term. I think it's going to be so much money you're going to freak out. And I think the buyout number is going to be insanely high. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they're going to negotiate a buyout that is through the roof. And, and I hope so. I, I think we're going to be very happy next week or the week after when, when, when it all kind of comes yeah. to fruition. Cause Hey, we saw, we saw rule sign the extension and we saw how that buyout kind of helped set us up yep. moving into the future. And so, yep. Hey, I think I, I trust what Mac Rhodes is doing. I trust whatever contract he signs is going to be great. And the other positive thing that I've kind of noticed myself uh, is he's been hiring other staff members and trying to get other coaches their their dues before he's even kind of come out and kind of gotten his. And so, you know, we just talked about Coach Grimes and there's no telling how long we're going to be able to hold on to that guy. But, you know, hopefully... By the way that Aranda's playing this, you know, we'll, we'll be able to offer him at least enough to where he sticks around for, I don't know, at least a couple more years. Because if, you know, if Aranda's name is hot, Grimes' name has got to be just as hot. I think, I think Grimes, I think Grimes leaves before Aranda does. Oh, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I think, I agree with that. You know, I'm going to be honest, like when Joey left, I got, I got a little nervous. Because at that point, I wasn't so convinced that Aranda was going to be here super long. And, and, and that was not a shot at his character. It was more looking at his resume. Uh, Aranda's moved around a lot in his career, especially when he was a coordinator. He wasn't out of school longer than three, four years. Uh, and I get that. I'm not faulting him for it. 
Yeah. Every move yeah. was a clear move up. So, I mean, he, he was doing what he needed to do. And I just didn't know, hey, is he going to want to be the head coach at Baylor long term? And and I've been convinced since that he does. Um, But when Joey left, I was like, man, because that was my guy. I was like, man, if Aranda leaves in the next two years, we'll just, you know, we've got Joey. Um, mm-hmm. But now my thought is, I don't think Aranda's leaving. If he did leave, I think we would. I think we would keep the exact same staff and promote from within, and it would be Grimes. Um, but I think Grimes is going to go be a head coach in the next three years, and I think. Yeah. I think you're going to see. That, for sure. Uh, here's my time. My time to be a homer. I think you're going to see Sean Bell at that point be the OC, and we'd all be thrilled. And uh, we're going to keep this thing moving, man. Yeah, dude, I, that's crazy because I had the same exact thoughts. I said, you know, no telling how long we're going to hold on to Grimes, but I think if he does leave and probably when he does leave that, hey, Sean Bell is right there in the waiting, learning, learning all of these types of offense, learning everything that he can. Hey, we just uh, just hired his, his little You don't hire – that's the thing. You don't hire Brian Bell unless you want Sean there a long freaking time. And obviously – Sean has told uh, me he wants to coach at Baylor. He was not his ambition was not to be necessarily to be a college off uh, a college football coach. He was a great Texas high school coach, but yeah. his ambition was if I can coach at my school at Baylor, that's a dream come true. Um, yeah. And so bringing in Brian and and you know I'll I'll uh, ride this a little longer than I should because I went to China Spring. China Spring just. Went undefeated, one state, and on the way beat Carthage, West Orange, Stark, Quero, and then um, why am I spacing on the state championship game? Uh, I was there <laughs> anyway. Uh, four four epic multiple state title type schools in a row, and so uh, you know on paper it's like okay you you hired a tw- a thirty year old who just won a state championship in Texas high school football. I guess that makes sense. But really why they hired him is because he's Sean's brother. And yeah. and and he's a great coach, right? And um, I'm pumped, dude. I, I, I have not been more pumped, I think, about a, a coaching hire ever. Uh, Brian's a friend, and I love him. And, man, it's fun. Yeah, that was great. I was, I was glad that we did that. It was, it was cool to see. Um, and... Man, just very excited about the future of the coaching staff and, and where this football team is going because, I mean, the expectations moving forward here, I think, are going to stay high. They are conti- how, how can they not stay high after what just happened? You think about what Rule did in, in the 11-win season, how the expectations were for that next year. I, I think they're just as high, if not higher, um, coming into this next year with Aranda. I know we're gonna have to replace a lot of a lot of guys, uh, not as many guys as I thought. Yeah, now yeah, looking yeah. back at it, and, and we'll get into that here in a second. But I mean, the ex- the expectation for me moving forward is, hey, we're gonna have a shot at a ten win season. I think every every year, and we're gonna be competitive in the Big Twelve every single year. And I've said it on this podcast that this new look Big Twelve is just waiting for a top dog to emerge. Why not Baylor? Why not Baylor? Well, and listen. Um, I I think Oklahoma's going to be fine, but if they stay in the conference, they're not winning it next year with a new coach. They're not. They're not. They've they they are decimated right now from a personnel standpoint. Um, 
your top dogs next year presumably are are still Oklahoma State and Baylor returning a lot of so. returning a lot of pieces and obviously consistency on the coaching staff. Um, everybody else really can't have a claim, um, and so uh, there's some questions Baylor needs to answer from a personnel standpoint going into next season. Some big questions. I I am not as confident in this roster next year maybe as you are. Let's get into it. Let's get into it because we kind of we kind of talked season recap, you know. And if you want to talk season recap real quick, I mean, I thought eight wins was our ceiling. I thought maybe nine with the bowl game, and blew it out of the water in my face, in my face. And I think, hey, you you were on for our season expectations um, at the beginning of the year. I think you had some similar thoughts as well. I'm shocked. I mean, if, if if you go back to August, I nobody in their right mind would have predicted this. Um, Maybe defensively, but I don't remember if you said this a second ago. Uh, the The big stat of that ESPN and everybody is is tweeting is um, this ties the best single season turnaround in college football history with a ten win improvement. Um, Michigan did it in like thirty six. So no, no, so it's been since 1936 that no one has done that. Michigan did it also this year. They had two wins last year. No way. Yeah, yeah. Michigan had two wins last year. How did year. I forget that? That's they were two and five. I, that's insane. I also, yeah. I also forget. You know, that COVID made made schedules weird. Um, it did. But yeah, man, it, it nobody could have predicted this. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, trademark Scotty here. Okay. We did not deserve the playoff because we we crapped our pants in Fort Worth. That being said, people are calling me crazy for this, Travis. You can call me crazy too if you want. I watched both playoff games and the Sugar Bowl. If Baylor plays like that in a first round playoff game, we're playing in a national championship next week, and I don't care who our opponent was. I think the only team that could have beat Baylor this past weekend is Bama, and I think we could have taken them to the wire. I think it could have gone either way. I that defense would have stopped anybody. I would have loved to see that. Now we didn't earn it. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as you with with the offense, the way the offense played. I'm not sure if we could have scored enough points to beat Alabama. Yeah, but I think. The Bama offense versus this this uh, Baylor defense would have been sweet. It would have been awesome. And that, I think leading up to the Sugar Bowl, a lot of people were thinking Georgia was going to beat Bama in the SEC championship. And I was like super yeah. pumped up about a Baylor versus Bama Sugar Bowl. Yeah, me I was too. like, me too. I wanted that matchup so bad because, hey, let's be honest, playing against Alabama is a measuring stick. Yeah, they are the top dogs in college football, no doubt about it, and that is a measuring stick. And I think that all, that Bama offense versus Baylor defense would have been sweet. I agree. I completely Be- agree. Because hey, uh, Aranda, he's played against Saban's offense. I'm telling he's played you, played against Bama. I'm, te- so I'm telling you. Beat- I'm telling you. Um, I would have put money on Baylor. And, and 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 not even that I that I think that they had the bigger chance to win, but just I, I I think. I think there was a ah, we'll never know. We'll never know. As, hey, as as, as good, <laughs> we won't, and, and as good as this season was, we're still. It, it's crazy that we're still going to say what if. Yep. What if we had not laid an egg in Fort Worth? 
Crazy. What if? Crazy. Backup quarterbacks. Baylor's Baylor's kryptonite. Especially the TCU. <laughs> but yeah. Um but hey, an incredible season. 10, 10, 10 win turnaround to twelve wins program record. I mean, we, we, we beat it like a like a dead horse. Just a fantastic season. And um that's pretty much all I've got to cap off this season. Unless you want to say anything else, I want to kind of talk about what what we might look like next year. I'm I am excited to talk about what we might look like next year, but I wanna I wanna just one more time. I'm excited about what we're gonna look like next year because I saw what we looked like this year. And I'm so bought into this coaching staff. I think this is the best coaching staff Baylor has ever had. Um and 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 everybody listening knows that that I am obsessed with Matt Rule. And I, I think this is the best coaching staff Baylor's ever had in every spot. Um and I could not be more thrilled uh by what we saw this season because I think it's sustainable. Yeah. So I'm with you. Let's get into I'm it. I'm with you. Yeah. And yeah, hey, watching that sugar bowl, it, it really did show you what the potential of some of these guys is going to be next year. And but before we get into any of that, we'll just let you know who's who's heading out. And these are uh, names that I seniors leaving on that were honored on senior day that I got from the Baylor football uh, Twitter page. And we are going by um, positions that they are posted as on the Baylor football official roster website. So that is what we're going by. Things can obviously change. Abram Smith, um, namely. Um, So you never know where people are going to end up. You never know who might decide to, hey, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the NFL. Um, We don't know who's going to do that. Um, So we're going by what we know right now that could change tomorrow. And as we um, texted Scotty earlier, and as as most of us saw today, RJ Sneed is is putting his name in the transfer portal and and moving on. And he was a senior um, that I saw leaving on senior day. So I had already had him um, leaving. So um, yeah, we, yeah, I, I think the guys that were honored on senior day knew they were leaving. And so the question for like an RJ is what's your draft stock? And because COVID gives everyone an extra year of eligibility, can, can you, can you improve your draft stock? And for him, clearly the answer is yes. And, yep. and for Baylor, I think guys like RJ, uh, transferring it, it it's probably it's completely rj's decision i'm sure and at the same time um i know a lot of schools were scared of if a bunch of our guys that would normally be ineligible stay for that extra covid year of eligibility we can't bring in as many recruits so at some level baylor has to look at like those sixth year guys or those fifth year guys and say we're bringing in a recruit like we won't have a roster spot we love you. Yeah. Go pro or, or, or go play one more year. I mean, Estrada, Estrada came to Baylor, I think, in kind of a similar circumstance of like, can I prove it at a slightly bigger level? I've got this extra kind of blessing of a year, right? I mean, I mean, so. Yep. Um, yeah, similar situation. It's going to happen. So, so hey, hey, um, obviously not going to get upset with someone choosing who uh, choosing what they believe is, is best for their future. So, nope. hey, RJ Sneed, we love you, man. And. You're forever a Baylor Bear. Sick'em. We we love you for for everything you've done for us and and sick them forever. So, um, so offensively, I'll just I'll just run right through them. Uh, we'll start. You know, R.J. Sneed's heading out. Abram Smith, Tristan Ebner, Drew Estrada, 
Tyquan Thornton, Xavier Newman-Johnson. Those are the, what is that, six starters that are heading out. And then Giancarlo Valentin, he got some time there on the offensive line. Uh, Tyler Henderson, Brandon Bass, Jackson Shupp, they're all uh, uh, graduating and moving on. And then on the defense, um, Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, JT Woods, Kalen Barnes, Jaron McVay, Raleigh Tejada, um, starters, and then a hey, Mark Milton got a lot of time this year. Ashton Logan got a lot of time this year. Rob Solon um, got a lot of time in the Sugar Bowl. So hey, played that's, well. What is that? He he did play. He played really well. Um, that's nine players right there that you have to replace on defense and some some big names that are that are Baylor legends. I mean, some big names there. So it will be interesting to see. Um, how we replace those guys. And um, I think the positive thing is, you know, obviously we've got the Aranda, uh, Aranda, Ron Roberts, the scheme, but we were like 20 players. I want to say we're like 20 players deep on that defense this year. So, and then what you saw in the Sugar Bowl, like we already mentioned, is is very exciting. And then quickly here, special teams, Isaac Power. <laughs> Und- like unsung hero, I think, of the year. Isaac Power just so consistent and, this year and i just want to clarify the announcement will probably come out by the time this episode is released or maybe a few days after he had a year of eligibility left i think he was officially a junior at baylor um oh, wow. so clearly he's declaring um i would think so and and i was ago. gonna say he was arguably i know he wasn't a ray guy person this year but i think he was the best i mean Gosh, I'm biased, but he he might have been the best punter in college football this year. Uh, yeah, I, in terms I, I was looking up in terms of sorry, placement I, and the ability to just boot the ball 65 yards. I mean, uh, absolutely. Namely stud. in that conference championship game. Yeah, he, dog. Especially on that that his last punt that you know I know Oklahoma State went however many yards and were and you know you know short. how punters go Shout out you know how the, punters go I've I've interviewed a couple punters. Uh, it is so hard to make the league at that spot. Because the guys that go do it can do it for 15, 20 years. Right. Um, right. And they're all incredible. And so many incredible college punters don't last in the NFL. And um, so, you know, if he thinks he's got a shot, if he's got his degree, which he does, and he thinks he can go get a shot to audition this year and try to go for it. And if he doesn't make it, it, man, move on with your life. You've got your degree. Good for him. Um, Do it. I agree. Do it. So... An, under, yeah, an underrated piece we're going to have to replace next year is Isaac Power. I think so. Oh, for sure. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Uh, John Mayer's at kicker. Thor Rodoni and Gunnar Royer, uh, both long snappers. So they're whole. And don't um, don't take for granted long snappers now. Nope. So, hey, that's 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 another piece on special teams we'll we'll have to um, to replace. So now that we kind of have an idea of who's moving on, um. Let's talk. Let's talk 2022, and let's talk offense. Um, I know a lot of people are going to think that I don't really know where I stand on this yet at the quarterback position because yes, you do. It should be, Come on, you're you're right. It's it's Bohannon. It's got to be Bohannon, and I know Shapen played well, but. And I know Bohan, people are going to point to the Sugar Bowl and say he didn't play well, da-da-da, this and that, but it's Bohannon. It's it's 100% Bohannon, and yeah, it's Bohannon. I'm Googling a stat that I meant I meant to 
pull up before we talked, so I will have it in a second to back up this opinion statistically. But I can tell you, Shapin is it has the potential, right, to be an absolutely lights out college football quarterback. Um, he's not that right now. He's not. Uh, Gary has obvious needs and areas to improve. Um, but I would say he started all season because he gave Baylor the best opportunity to win. He doesn't, he, he, uh, and the one attribute that Gary has that we've talked about, I feel like ad nauseum, um, but it's just, you can't be overstated. He never loses his cool. He, he always keeps his head in the right spot despite the situation and the pressure. And, and so I really just can't say enough about Gary, the leader. And I think you have to, it is, I, I think it has to be an open competition this spring. I think that's just a healthy way to run your football team. For sure. Especially when Shapin played well. Um, but I would be shocked. I mean, I would be floored, keeled over shocked if Bohannon is not starting week one next yep. season. Yep. Right there with you. Right there with you. Um, running back. Um, this is a, uh, hey, big shoes to fill, obviously. Two big shoes to fill. Two very big shoes to fill. Um, but I have confidence Tay McWilliams is is going to be that downhill runner um, that is featured in this offense. I am hoping that Squirrel Williams is going to get more involved in this offense. And then the other kind of third back that I would say is I'm very excited about, Jordan Jenkins, freshman. Um, I, I think it's going to be an awesome battle at running back. Um, those are kind of the three names that stick out to me. Right now, I'm leaning towards Tay McWilliams being being the dude. Um, what about you, Scotty? Okay, I'm gonna go to the statistic I found. Here's my here's my here's my thing with Shapin. Uh, Shapin has not proven that he can string together long drives. Um. So, Kansas State, no touchdowns. We remember that after he came into the game, had played an entire half. Right. Yep. Two two full games as the starter. Against Texas Tech, he had two drives over 50 yards where we scored a touchdown. One was because he completed uh, that 61-yard pass to, to uh, Treston on the sideline. So I would hardly yeah. even count that as a, as a sustained drive, right? Just a beautiful play. The only drive he's compiled over 50 yards to score a touchdown was he had a 58-yard drive against Tech that that was uh, 10 plays, 58 yards, four, four minutes, 30 seconds off the clock. Okay, there's your 58-yard touchdown drive. Against Oklahoma State in the championship, here were our touchdown drives. 11 yards, 37 yards, and 47 yards. We, we possessed the ball on our end each time. Yeah. And I am not – obviously not all of that falls on Shapin. Um but I want to see him – I wish I could have seen him prove that he can lead an 80-yard touchdown drive, yeah. and, and we just haven't seen it. I'm sure he's, he's capable – he is capable of it. He never did it. Uh, Fair point. And so for those who would rush to – Blake Shapin should be the starter, I'd say. I'm a little <laughs> on Shapin like I was with Zeno, but to a completely different degree. So with Zeno, I was like, Zeno hasn't proven anything. Um, the whole thing, the whole time I was like, Zeno never proved anything. He completed two great passes. 
Shapin's yeah. proved something. Shapin's proved he can he can play at this level, uh, no doubt. But he has not proven that he's better than Gary Bohannon. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, okay, all right. <laughs> now that I got that statistic Fair. out of Fair. the way, you asked Fair. you asked me about running backs. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think Tay's. I think okay. So I think running backs the deepest position on this team. And I said that coming into this season, and we didn't have to prove it. Praise God, there were no significant injuries at running back, yeah, that's right? Wild. Wow. Um, and that is such a blessing. And clearly, Grimes does not want to play a lot of guys, so that's a different. Like, there's a lot of coaches that they want to rotate in four running backs. Like, Grimes wants a workhorse, and then your change of pace, your third down, your spell guy. And we had that with Abram and Treston. I think next season. You have that perfectly set up. I think Tay McWilliams is a workhorse. Um, and I think Squirrel is the perfect spell guy. I mean, it's almost too perfect to replace the two guys that are going out. Um, I think Quaylen Jones is going to compete to be that to be that workhorse. I, I, I don't know if he is, but I think he competes. And as you pointed out, I, I find it funny because we sent each other kind of our thoughts before we started recording. And we both picked Jordan Jenkins. And he hasn't played a snap at Baylor. Jordan nope. Jenkins, all he did in high school was carry the ball 30 times a game. I mean, that's all he did. And he was efficient and effective and a touchdown machine. And I watched so much Jordan Monster. Jenkins because um, he was playing at the same level as a high school team I was covering at the time. Um, I think the guy is the real deal. I also want to mention Jonah White. Um, guy played, yeah. guy played really, really, really well in limited opportunities last season. I know Baylor was such a cluster last season, right? But Jonah White showed you that he's got something. So I really think there's five backs on this team that could next season compete to really be the guy. I do think based on precedent that's been set, the depth charts that came out this year, I think Tay and Squirrel are going to be Abram and Treston next season. Yep. But honestly... Any of those guys could line up back there in the scheme, and I'd feel good. Yep, I'm right there with you. Excited about the uh, the running back competition this spring, this fall. Um, I don't want to go to receiver yet because I think we are pretty much set. Crazy as this this was the most shocking thing to me probably is that we're pretty much we're kind of set at offensive line because Galvin for now is staying. So left tackle Galvin, left guard. Mazuka, who I thought made leaps and bounds this year and could have started every game for us. And so I think Mazuka is going to go in there at left guard, uh, Gall at center, Miller at right guard like they were this year, and then Keith. I was high on Keith all year. He finally overcame Byers on that right tackle spot. Um, passing, uh, pass blocking needs to improve for sure, but his run blocking is awesome. I love Khalil Keith at right tackle. Um, and then I'll, I'll let you go. Th those are kind of, I, I think we're pretty set at offensive line, at least starter-wise. You and I agree on the guys who should be starting next season. If guys come back, I wouldn't be surprised if Galvin declares in the next few days. We're just going to have to watch that. Or Gall, honestly. Um, but if those guys stay, you're pretty much set. Um, a couple things. There's always people moving on the offensive line, especially in spring. You're trying guys inside, outside. Um, who's going to back up Gall at center this year? That's a huge question. Um, it would not surprise me if they try moving Khalil inside because of what you just pointed out. He is a better – his body type is not guard, but his skills and his strength are 
more fit yeah. for the guard position. If he's if he is going to play in the league, it would be at guard. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they try moving Keith inside. Uh, I want to mention Tate Williams, and I and I said his name before we started recording. Tate Williams was the guy we brought in to be a starting tackle three or four years. He very much is that Spencer Drango, Connor Galvin. He is that this generation Drango and Galvin. He is he is a surefire left tackle college football solid player. Um if if he uh plays up to his potential. Um there's obviously no way in hell he starts over Connor Galvin if Galvin's back. Galvin <laughs> no. Galvin has is is one of the best left tackles of all time at Baylor already. Um but I think he could start at right tackle next season if they want to start his development. It would not surprise me if they try moving Keith inside and try starting Tate Williams at right tackle. Um, it's all speculation at this point. It's all conjecture. Tate Williams will get a shot to play this year, though, and I, I don't know how that happens. If Galvin leaves, he'll be the starter at left tackle. Uh, if Galvin stays, it would not surprise me to see him rotating in at right tackle. Yep, yep, right there with you. Um, it would just be interesting, interesting to see what happens on the offensive line, but I think moving forward for next year on the offense, you have a very strong core, you know, Bohannon at quarterback. You've got a lot of your offensive line coming back, and then I trust in our running back and uh, to get to be able to be pro- as productive, um, you know, or close to that level as we were this year. And then tied in. The tight end is making a comeback at Baylor University. Ben Sims, what a year for Ben Sims and Drake and Drake Dabney as well. Uh, Drake Dabney um, doesn't have the catching the the receiving stats that Ben Sims does, but Drake Dabney played quite a bit this year because Grimes loves the two tight end sets. So um, we're we're set there at tight end as well. I think both guys want to prove that they can play in the league. Um, and I think both guys can play in the league. And I'm going to make a prediction way too early. I think Ben Sims is your leading receiver for Baylor next year. I, I think... Uh, That's not crazy at all. Um, not crazy at all. I, I He very much fits the Dallas Cowboys tight end mold to me. The Jason Witten and now uh, Connor... Is it Schultz? Yeah, Sh- Dalton Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. Dalton, yeah. Uh, where... He just is in the right place at the right time. He has the rapport with the quarterback, and he's not going to drop the football. Like he's if if you hit him, he's going to catch the he ball. Made some tough catches. He made some tough catches. And so, uh, and Dabney is just is is. I said this earlier this season too. He is the current NFL mold of tight end. He's huge. He can fly, um, and and physically has everything you want. I think both guys, uh. Sims this coming season and Dabney in the two in the season or two to follow are going to put up some some numbers we have never seen at Baylor at tight end. Yeah, that was what was, my, what was most interesting. I don't know that I've talked about this when I when I did the all Baylor all time team uh, a couple months back on Bears Illustrated. Baylor has never had an outstanding tight end ever, ever in our never. school's history. Never. I put Ben Sims second team all time at Baylor and the first team all time guy played guard in the NFL. <laughs> okay, we have never, <laughs> never had an outstanding tight end at Baylor. Ben Sims, if Ben Sims goes over a thousand yards next season, and I think it's possible, um, he will be the undisputed king of tight ends at Baylor for Kingdom Come, and I hope he does it. 
I hope so too. Uh, 361 yards on the year. I'm just looking this up. Six touchdowns. So he was second behind Tyquan Thornton. Tyquan had 10. So, and that's a great transition into that wide receiver room. That's the biggest question mark for me. That's another competition that I am so excited to, to see. We need some young guys in this wide receiver group to step up. And this is just, uh, I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I've kind of had the three starters as Hal Presley, Seth Jones, and then Monterey Baldwin slash Josh Fleeks um, in the slot. But then you've got, Cam Bonner, Elijah Bean, a 6'5 freshman, Javon Gibson, a 6'3 freshman, who are both, I think, over 200 pounds, so big bodies. You've got one of the highest recruits that Baylor has ever signed This in this coming class, Armani Winfield, a four-star, 93-rated recruit. So he could get time, too. I mean, this is the widest open position on the team, in my opinion. So... I made a statement at the beginning of the season that I got roasted for, and I get it. I said that 2021 was the deepest Baylor's ever been at wide receiver, and I know who we had during the Bryles years. Part of that is because I think every guy that's coming in to play next year could be a bona fide stud. Um, so you lose, and, and, and I'm making an assumption, actually. I know we set our rules beforehand. I don't think Fleeks is coming back. Um, he has not said that, uh, I'm not reporting that as an insider. I, I have, right. <clears throat> I have no, uh, knowledge that you don't have. I would be surprised if Fleeks comes back. So I'm assuming Fleeks is not coming back. If Fleeks comes back, he's obviously a factor outside of that. We have no proven guys coming back. Gavin Holmes, you're hoping can play. You're hoping Gavin Holmes can play football. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. That's, that's um, a name I missed. If he does not come back. You have no proven college wide receivers, and yet I think you are loaded. I think we are loaded. So let me tell you who I, I see as, as factors here. Jackson Gleason, I have been waiting this entire time for him to get on the field because he can fly. Uh, he is the uh, heir apparent to like a Tevin Reese um, where you're going to line him up three times a game on a go route, and he will beat – any corner or safety covering him. Uh, I think he starts next year at receiver. Jalen Ellis showed you last season what he can be, and he did not see the field this year. And and again, Grimes, unlike Bryles or even unlike Fedora last year, did not rotate in a lot of guys who were not on the two deep. And he didn't even rotate in some of the guys who were on the two deep. Jalen Ellis is going to be a great starting wide receiver at Baylor next season. He might be the number one guy next year. Monterey Baldwin showed you. I don't know that he's a true starting receiver, but he is a guy who's going to get two carries a game. He is a guy that you're going to target on the screens, on the little, um, you know, the wheel routes. You're going to target him mm -hmm. out of the slot. Baldwin's a factor. Gavin Holmes, if he comes back, is obviously going to start, or he's going to get a lot of playing time. And then here's, if you look at last year's signing class, 2021 signing class, we had the famous, uh, what class was it with KD Cannon and Ish Zamora and Chris Platt, the four horsemen, right? You remember the four horsemen? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, 2021's, listen, Baylor fans, I'm getting excited. 2021's four horsemen are even better. Book mm. it. Book it. In 2021, you signed... Uh, 
Cam Bonner, listen to me. I saw this kid play in person uh, two seasons ago. He is going to be a star. Cam Bonner was committed to Texas A&M. Flip to Baylor. Gonna be a gonna be a star. Elijah Bean. I don't know a lot about him, but he's six five. <laughs> six five. And can and can fly. I know the least about him, and I know he can fly. Javon Gibson from George Ranch. I pastor in this city now. Half of my youth group goes to George Ranch. They all talk about this kid. Also, <laughs> burner. All his tape says he's six two. And all his tape says is, I'm the fastest guy on the field. And they were all ranked infinitely higher than the guy who just scored in the Sugar Bowl, Monterey Baldwin. There you go. Bonner, Gibson, Bean, Baldwin. I'm telling you. is be- they, they will end up leaving Baylor. And we will say, oh yeah, they were better than Cannon, Zamora, Platt, and Hall. I'm telling you. Wow. I don't know which of those guys will pop when. I don't know who's going to get more snaps next season. I don't know who's going to start. If I had to guess, I think Baldwin plays a lot because he played some this year. Um, And I would put my money on Cam Bonner because I watched him play, and, and, and he's got everything you want. But all four of those guys will be a factor this spring. Um, And that's to say nothing of how Presley, who the coaching staff thought really highly of this season, and Armani Winfield, who, as you rightly pointed out, is the highest recruited receiver we've had, I think, since Katie Cannon. Um, yeah, I think I think so. And and so, or Robbie Rhodes. I mean, I don't. I guess Rhodes was before Cannon. I think so. Um, you know, the the receiver room is loaded. They have proven nothing. But right. that's the one. But, that's the one negative. But your talent is. I'm telling you. So exciting to me. Like, I'm about to get up and dance out of this chair. I'm so pumped to see how we use those receivers. I I was pumped about it coming into this this little conversation, but now now I'm even more excited. You you got me excited about some of these guys here. So, very hey, like I said, very excited about the running back room, what that's going to look like in the spring. But this wide receiver group, like you said, no one is proven. I think it's wide open. Anyone can have a big spring and jump up in there. And and start next year. Cam Bonner. And, and you watch Cam. Hey. You watch Cam Bonner. Okay, let's switch over to this defense here quickly. Um, let's talk defensive line. Obviously, right there, defensive tackle Apu, and then backed up by Ogbenaya, who I thought Ogbenaya had a great year as well. Maybe his best year in, in the Baylor uniform. And then a defensive end, you uh, Cole Maxwell, Gabe Hall, T.J. Franklin, and uh, Victor Obi. He's kind of moved around. I think he's settled in. Maybe they're a defensive end. And let me let me get my notes here. Don't forget Let's my boy, Braden Utley. Utley. Interception machine. Hey, he had to sack to end the game, too, against <laughs> Old Miss. And But, hey, uh, Vic Obi had, um, was in on the last drive of the Sugar Bowl. P- played five plays. And he's been getting time across the year, but that defensive line was just so deep. That it ended up being so deep this year. You return, that, you return almost all those guys, and yep. and that is going to have us uh, coming out swinging in twenty twenty two. And we'll talk. I think the back seven in this defense is all the biggest question marks of next season's depth chart. But yep. having those front that that defensive front back that defensive line, um, huge, 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 huge. Yep. Um, okay, so linebacker, uh, middle linebacker is going to be Doyle. 
It's gonna be Doyle. See, I don't, um, I don't know that I necessarily agree. Um, I think I am really curious to see how they move guys around. Um, because they even had Doyle playing in Bernard's spot a little bit this season when Bernard was out. Um, I think Doyle is certainly best suited to play middle linebacker. Uh, he's not as athletic as Bernard and some of the other guys. But I, um, looking at the linebacker spot, I think you're going to see a lot of guys moving. Um, yeah. So even if Doyle stays at middle linebacker, I, I think a lot of guys are going to change positions. And I am really curious to see who the who the three guys kind of coming out of camp are. Yeah, so, you know, you, you know one of your inside backers. It, it, we're talking mainly here middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, and then the jack. So, you know Doyle is going to be one of those guys. Absolutely. And then yeah. weak side, Bryson Jackson had two sacks in the Sugar Bowl. And then you've got two young guys in Will Williams and uh, maybe Will Garner. Um, does Matt Jones or Garmin Randolph make a move to the inside? I don't think so. It could happen, though. I've mainly got Jones and Garmin Randolph uh, sticking with Jack at the Jack. Yeah, yeah. And so Jones, for those who, who don't know, um, did not start this season at Jack on the depth chart. But that really is where he made an impact in the second half of the season. And I, I think I think he uh, I think he's an NFL prospect, too. I think his his size and speed and knack to get to the ball. Um, I think he great athleticism. I I think he's the X factor on that defense next year at that Jack spot. So I I think he's clearly the starter at Jack. Um, I think that's actually the most obvious linebacker spot. Uh, Doyle at middle linebacker is a safe assumption. Um, you'll see on my depth chart. I kind of gave Will Williams the nod. I think Bryson Jackson might move to Jack or middle as well. He could certainly start. Um, the, the guys I want to talk about at linebacker, because uh, we we really have kind of quietly loaded up on linebacker depth as well. We're very deep. Um, like, with some, I think a lot of guys are going to get playing time next year. Yeah, so I want to name – I put a couple of these guys on the chart I sent you. Will Garner, you mentioned, uh, redshirt freshman in 2021. Um, hasn't seen a lot of time, but really his high school tape pops. Um I really like Tyrone M. Brown, and we have two Tyrone mm. Browns on the team, so I actually didn't even type that out correctly when I sent you the depth chart. Tyrone <laughs> Tyrone Brown uh, from West Orange Stark. Very low-rated recruit in last year's class, mostly because I think he played at a smaller school, that 4A Division II level. Um, but his tape is crazy, and he had 122 tackles his senior year in high school. Um, My goodness. And so I think Tyrone M. Brown could be a guy that we see come out of nowhere. Uh, the other, sorry, I'll name two more guys to watch. Jackie Marshall was the highest ranked uh, linebacker in last year's class. Um, coming out of Louisiana, was one of the top players in the state. Uh, really could be an X factor. And then I am fascinated to see what we do. And I'm going to butcher his, pronouncing his first name. So if you know, you can correct me, Travis. But Kyan, Kyan, is that how would you say? Uh, Roberts Day, who yes. who was in this yes. year's class, and he played run. He hardly played line. He played linebacker early in his varsity high school career. He played running back this past season, and I'm telling you, that's a guy that we just brought in as a freak athlete and said, oh, he'll play somewhere. And I want to see where we line him up. And and I don't think he plays a lot next year because I think we, we, we redshirt him if we can. But I am really, really curious to see where we I, – I kind of have him as a jack because I think 
I think he can put on some weight and be really effective there. Um, yep. But I could see him playing any spot at linebacker and being like Baylor's best player in two or three years. Hey, they'll certainly find the right spot for him. We can we can all trust that. That's for sure. Um, so, hey, another just deep group there at linebacker. I mean, we were subbing in guys there at linebacker all year. So, I mean, you know, even if they're not starting, you, you think they're going to get time. E- even in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, I think we played six, at least six different linebackers. I think it was more than so, that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it was more than that because – Man, um, all right. Let's let's move to that defensive backfield. Um, and this is kind of where it gets interesting to me because when Petrie w- uh, went out and wasn't playing in the Sugar Bowl, you saw Lorando Johnson, you saw Snacks get in there at the star position. But I'm really interested to see if maybe they move Snacks to safety and let Christian Morgan become the star. I, I would not be shocked if that happens. Um, I think both can obviously play the position. It's going to be just very interesting to see what happens next year. Um, they're at the star versus safety position. Um, but right now I would have it snacks at star and then Christian Morgan, Devin Neal at safety. And then a guy that got some playing time also in the sugar bowl, Devin Lemire. Um, he, he got some snaps in the sugar bowl. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in that star safety. Yeah. Safety position. And we're again, one more obnoxious reminder. We're, we're assuming Morgan's coming back because he wasn't introduced yes. at senior day. Um, right. He could also declare. He could also transfer. We'll, we'll see. We're going to assume he's coming back. Um, I think Morgan starts at safety. Uh, I I think Neal starts at safety as well. The, I mean, I think those, that's obvious. The question is, can either of those guys really, really, really cover downfield like JT Woods can or did? Yeah. I think Neal can. I think Neal's capable of it, but Neal was backing up Morgan to start the season. Um, so they, you know, I know there's not a true strong safety, free safety in Aranda's defense, but if, if we're playing to that stereotype, Neil and Morgan are both more of the strong safety stereotype. Um, I want to see Cisco cast and play. Um, mm. again, I'm naming guys who have never played a snap for Baylor, who I think could be a factor, <laughs> uh, Cisco Caston, uh, red shirt this year. He came out of Weatherford high school, um, if you watch that kid's tape, uh, played a lot of wide receiver in high school because he is fast. He's got great hands. He can pick the ball off. He forces fumbles. He makes tackles. Uh, I, I think he, if it's not next season, it's in two seasons. I think Cisco Caston is another name to watch. Um, He's got a good size six, two. Yeah. I mean, fits everything you want in a, in a starting safety at this level. Uh, Looking at the star, I agree with you. I think Snacks is the star, and I think he's one of the best players on the defense for the next two years, three years. Uh, I I think he very excited. I think he him. stays at that spot and really thrives. I really do. And looking at your corners, Travis, I think you might agree with me. This is where I think we have the most question marks going into next season. I would say even more so than wide receiver, um, because outside of Walcott, who is now proven. And and will be the starter. I don't. I really have no clue what to expect. I don't either. Um, Byron Hanspard is going to get a shot because he's respected. He's a great locker room guy. He's been with the program a long time. But the fact that he's not gotten a lot of snaps at corner yet does not give me a lot of confidence that he'll start. Um, Tevin Williams the third, really young. Again, part of that twenty twenty one class. 
but has the yep. making has the makeup. He's six two. He is a one hundred meter state guy. Um, really has the tools. Reggie Bush, true freshman. Hey. Can hey. can he get in the conversation? Um, I was shocked when I looked through the roster. Romario Neal or Romario? Uh, I'm sorry, Neal. Uh, I'm I'm butchering these names. Romario Noel <laughs> uh, came in in that 2021 class. Came in as a guy who played linebacker and safety in high school, and Baylor has him listed at corner. Oh wow! He's six two. He's huge. Um, mm. If he has the speed to play corner. Then I am stoked because the, what 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 I'm seeing from Aranda and I mentioned this a second ago with Tejada, Aranda wants big physical corners. Uh, Walcott fits yep. that. Williams has the speed, but he's also again bigger than your normal corner. And if Noel is going to play corner at Baylor and not safety or linebacker as he was projected, um, that that means you are getting big NFL type physical press corners. Um, so that's a position I'm really... We're just going to have to wait till the spring. We're not going to know. For sure. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if that's where we bring in a transfer. Um, we're. I think we're going to get some transfer help on the line, on the O-line, and I think we're going to get some transfer help at corner. I think those are the two positions you're going to want to see if you can't get a two-year starter somewhere else to yeah. come in and, and add some depth. What I'm do you right think? I'm with you. I think... Yeah, yeah. I think uh, as far as transfer goes, I think anytime, it doesn't matter who you have, anytime you can add uh, offensive line or defensive line depth, you do it. Yeah. 100% you do it. Okay, we're going after, uh, we made the top five for Jackson player, a great player out of Tulsa on the defensive line, an interior guy. And you're like, well, we have Eco, we have uh, Ogbenaya. You always add to the offensive line, defensive line, when you can. And I'm right there with you. I think we add, if we can, um, a cornerback. And there was one, I think he was coming out of, I think his name is Ricks. I think he was either coming out of LSU or, or, or Bama. I saw him. I, he's already said where he was going. But he he was coming out, and I was like, oh, that's something we desperately need is help at the cornerback position. And, yeah, that's a big question mark because we don't have a lot of guys that are, are proven at that position. And But – I agree with what you said. Aranda likes the bigger physical uh, cornerbacks, and I just I just noticed this co- going through our our um, recruiting uh, classes. Al Walcott was the lowest ranked recruit from the 2020 class, <laughs> and now he's our best cornerback. <laughs> now he's our best cornerback. He was a three star, 82. Dog, that's okay. Six one one ninety. You- so hey, physical developed and what he came in in 2020 and he's already he's already our best cornerback so i mean you're proving my point i just got excited there i just got excited there. so you're proving my point so aranda here's the deal aranda's gonna recruit the guys that fit what he wants to do and he does not give a rip about ratings or or even like even like potential uh, like to an extent he cares about do you fit our scheme and can you do what I'm asking you to do? And so, regard like we're we're throwing out names here. I've given a lot of names here that that guys that have never seen a snap at Baylor that have potential. Aranda's, I have the utmost confidence. Again, more than I've had in any other coaching staff. That whoever is out there day one is going to play well. Um, there's going to be some rust, 
and there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some freshman moment. Like let's just say, like there's going to be some freshman moments next year on defense, oh, yeah. especially early. Corners are going to get beat. Safeties are going to get beat. Linebackers are going to miss their gaps. Like it's going to happen those first several weeks because there will be new faces out there. But whoever we put out there will end up playing really well. And it's it is because Aranda knows exactly. Like he is so brilliant. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So again, I was shocked to see that Noel, a guy who projected as a college linebacker, is listed at corner at Baylor right now. That's because he's going to play corner for Baylor. I mean, that's because Aranda wants him at corner. And, and so um, there's going to be some weird position switches. There's going to be some names that you and I did not say today that will make impact next year. It's going to be fun. Likely. It's going to be very fun. It's going to be very fun. That's, man, I know we got to a lot today. And, man, I had a blast doing it with Scotty. And just, man, if you're not excited, I, you should be excited about next year. You should. You should have, and you should have decently high expectations. I do, I do. Even, even with the amount of players we're leaving, I just we're getting back that core of the offense, offensive line, quarterback. We're getting back good, good players on defense. I trust the system. I trust Aranda. I trust Roberts. So very excited about next year, and excited for the spring to see who emerges. Scotty, last thoughts. Any? Sorry, I was texting my wife back because uh, we've been going at this. <laughs> it takes for a while. precedence, man. It's, right. it's, it takes precedence for sure. Man, I am. Uh, I'm thankful for this season. It was so fun. It was so fun. Um, it did come with its heartbreak. I, my wife saw me really freak out for the first time in our marriage when we lost to TCU. I I screamed and kicked and threw <laughs> things, and I mean, didn't break anything. I, I'm I'm not that violent, but uh, you know. Um, so satisfying uh, to see the direction and the trajectory of the entire athletic department, right? Yes. But football, of course, being what it is, it, it is your money maker. It is your king maker. It is the thing that you have to get right if you're going to have an elite athletic department. And Baylor's getting it right in every single way. Um, and I could not be more thrilled for where we are and where we're headed. And I agree with you. I think um, there is so much reason to be optimistic and uh very little reason to be pessimistic and um not every season's going to end with 12 wins in a sugar bowl but like you said earlier could every season be 9 10 wins with quite a few big 12 titles new year 6 and lord knows especially if they expand it playoff appearance absolutely um and as long as Dave Rand is at the helm i think that's the expectation um Man, it's been fun, and I'm thankful for you and for this podcast and uh, that I get to bum and be on here only when I feel like it. Well, hey, man, I'm uh, I'm super, th- super thankful. Got super, super thankful. No, I'm su- super thankful to you, man, for, for, uh, for passing the torch and, and giving me the opportunity and always, always happy to hash out some Baylor football with you. And like you said, just su- super thankful for this season, super, th- super thankful for – the whole entire athletic department. I think everyone's on the same page and we've been aching for a football coach who wants to be here. And I think we found the guy. I think we found the guy. So let's do this. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this live. uh, So you can say no, Um, but why don't, why don't we rally back in, uh, in a few months 
and uh, talk talk through some of this when we have a when we have a spring depth chart. Oh, and so uh, we can talk some we can talk some spring football and we can talk some Baylor hoops um, and uh, and uh, talk to everybody again in April ish. That sounds fun to me. Let's do it, man, because uh, some things are going to happen in spring ball. Uh, your your Baylor hoops team is looking like it's going to make another final four. Should be. They are surpassing my expectations hey, for the year. Man, this, they are good. This should they be, are good. This should be the third championship run in a row it should we it we, should. we got man, we got man. i know it we would have had it i know uh, we i know we would have had it but we oh well. we could be here another hour talking baylor hoops but we i could. won't subject the people to that we could we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll hold off till uh we'll hold out till march or april for that so uh wait well, scotty thanks for joining me thanks for joining us thanks for all you do and uh sick and bears sick and bears well That wraps it up for Season 5. Thank you, listeners, for bearing with us for yet again another season. And what a season it was. Apologize again for being long-winded, but if you've stayed with us this long, just know we appreciate you. And if you haven't stayed with us this long, we still also appreciate you. Hopefully, we're going to jump back on here in a couple months, and the Hoops team is going to be rolling, and we'll have a clearer picture of, of what that roster uh, football roster is going to look like next year. So, hey, until then, sick and bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated. <laughs>